Welcome to Dominion Cast, the official podcast of the Crave Dominion. I'm Josiah. And I'm Devin. Today we'll be talking about Onward, the Disney Pixar film that came out this year. Um, but yep. did it did it only have a home release or was there oh yeah wait there, you there was a it. yeah there was a theatrical release but then they ended up releasing it on Disney Plus early oh yeah okay because I knew that some some of the films that come out this year had to be like you couldn't watch them in the movie theater because of the coronavirus or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah but okay um, so not that that changes much about our conversation right except for the fact that I got to watch it and not have to go pay for it mm-hmm. more than I already have with Disney Plus but. <laughs> Um, but first, a few updates on the site. Um, I know that you had an article that you wanted to talk about that's potentially, possibly, maybe in the pipeline, and I'm excited about it. Uh, yes. I am planning to do, in the near future, an article on Severus Snape. So, you'll have to actually visit the site to decide what it is and whether or not you like it. But hopefully that'll be up in a couple days. If it's not, I'm sorry, (laughs) but it'll happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it, except for I've never seen Harry Potter. <laughs> right, so he's less excited so, about it than I am. But the concept that you had, that you wanted to talk about, was pretty good, because it happens everywhere, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know, it's, it's about, it's, you know, we talked about it a little bit, I won't spoil it for you, but it's like, right. you know, fandoms and how they interact with characters and everything, mm-hmm. um, and it happens everywhere, so it'll be interesting to see your take on this particular character from what you told me. Yeah. Um, eventually I will watch it, but <laughs> seven movie, eight movies? Eight movies. Eight movies, these are seven books, right? Yep. So I'll watch them eventually, probably for the podcast, but right now, it's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about Onward. The Disney Pixar movie that came out yeah. this year. This year. That, that didn't, did it have a home, was it only at home? No, <laughs> it actually did come out in theaters too. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I knew some movies that came out this year, like, and <laughs> <laughs> at home because of the coronavirus but right again that's also not what we're talking about we're talking about onward that's Disney Disney Pixar Pixar movie. Movie. okay let's jump right in so let's we'll start with uh the movie opens with a monologue from we find out it's their dad mm-hmm. um you don't know that at the beginning but comes you soon find out sooner than i thought they would reveal it that it's their dad mm-hmm. um so long ago the world was full of wonder it was adventurous, exciting, and best of all, there was magic. And that magic helped all in need. But it wasn't simple to master, so the world found a simpler way to get by. Over time, magic faded away. But I hope there's a little magic left in you, Devin. Specifically? You're magical, right? Yeah. What, what powers do you have? Uh, we actually have to keep those classified for the sake of the podcast. So, so I'm not hunted down for my magical abilities. Well, will, will the podcast be taken down if you say it? Uh, probably not, but I will. So okay, that's, then why are you refraining? Uh, that's a good point. This, it's, this isn't for the sake of the podcast, the, this is you being selfish. The podcast is greater in... It's more important than my life, honestly. Right. That's that's something apparently one of us feels. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to confirm nor deny that, because I don't know how you feel. Right. So it probably well, could we'll, be both of us. We'll leave it a mystery which one feels that way. Which, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, he's not talking about Devin, whoever said that's an idiot. Correct. He's talking about his son, Ian. One of his sons, Ian, and then he has another one named Barley, mm-hmm. because that's a great name. Um, yes. It's, it's a great name. It's, it's my favorite type of wheat, actually. Um, good name for a character. It's a, it's a good name. It's a good name for Obviously. a character. Um, but just in the monologue, they... I thought it was going to be, like, about climate change. 
like, like because I knew that it was going to be a twist. Uh-huh. Because I knew that it was going to be that, okay, there was magic, but I've seen the trailer, so I know it's set in the modern world. Right. So I was like, is it going to be like a climate thing? I know it's going to be talking about technology, but I didn't know if it was going to be like, hey, the world's ending so this is this is a side about climate change, but let's get back to the normal story. <laughs> but instead, they just talk about people wanted an easy way out, so they went to technology. Yeah, which was interesting. I do really like the concept that magic existed and it was abandoned purely for the sake of convenience, mm-hmm. for the sake of ease. Right, and I like that. And you know that 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 does transfer to our day and age um, to some degree because on the one hand, technology is to help you know, the human race, you know, live more comfortably and be able to do tests easier and less danger for humans and everything. It is that side of it. But then there's also the other hand of we want things fast. We want things instantly. We want things to be exactly how we want them to be. And if they're not, we're going to attack the person who gave us yes. what we were, something that we weren't expecting it to, it didn't rise to our standards, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was interesting. Um, Ian, very relatable. Definitely. He has no friends. He's... I don't have any friends. Right. That must be rough. It It, it, it is rough. Um, right. Yeah. You'll have to let me know when you fix that. No, yeah, I will, because you're my closest friend. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I would tell you if I ever get a friend. Man, you solved that problem really it was fast. Pretty... Oh, I did, didn't I? Man, just like what we were All talking about. All by myself. About. Yeah. Just like how we were talking about what fixing problems fast. Do you want everything fast? Oh, I yeah, but I didn't even want it. I just I just did it. That's how fast our modern world is. You don't even know you want it, and then it just gets fixed, and you're like, oh, I guess I wanted that, <laughs> and yeah, you're just happy that it happened. But yeah, Ian is a very good protagonist. Mm-hmm. They introduced him very well, I thought. The opening of the movie shows him at home. It's his birthday. Gets ready. Goes to school. Has an awkward day at school. Takes a driver's it's test. It's a really awkward day at school. Really awkward. Painfully, realistically awkward day at school. Yep. And then he goes home. And the opening of the movie perfectly establishes his character arc. It establishes that he doesn't know how to drive, and he wants to. He has problems being assertive. He has problems being social. He has a rocky relationship with his brother, and he misses his father. And all mm. of that is established very, um, very intentionally in the first five to ten minutes of the movie mm-hmm. sets up everything that he learns over the course of this movie it's a rarity and it's super refreshing to see just the clear intentional setup that's later paid off mm-hmm. yeah it sets up the rest of the movie and his story and his arc perfectly um but him and barley are like polar opposites so in in some ways mm-hmm. where he is not confident at all and he is scared of like the unknown barley doesn't care not he's afraid just, of anything. He's not afraid of anything. And there's a reason for that, as yep. we'll find out. But he's just not scared of anything. He doesn't care what people think about him. He really cares about history and magic and the history of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, do, I can't remember. Did they know that their dad was, like, had magic? Uh, they did not. Okay. In fact, technically they don't say that their dad had magic. Right. Well, Barley at one point says that their dad studied magic, though. Like, because that's why, that's how the whole wizard name got brought up. Right. I don't know, it's confusing. Somehow, they make the correlation that their dad was magic. So, uh, the only reason why... He has it. He has a staff. But it comes with the implication that he might not have started anything until after he got sick. That Yeah, because she said that he did get into some strange stuff after he got sick. Right. 
Yes. Meaning magic. Meaning magic, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would, if he, if Barley knew that their dad was into magic, that could explain why he's so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he did. I think it was just something that he just happened to be interested in. Yeah. And it came in, in handy later on. Um, but if all he could remember was his de- sick dad studying magic, it would explain his passion for learning yes. more about it. Yeah, so I don't know if that's confirmed or not, because I can't remember, but mm-hmm. we'll just say that he got it from somewhere. Either way, handy. it's neat. It is neat, yeah. It works either way. Um, I love how his his fan's name is Guinevere, <laughs> which, which implies that King Arthur exists, in my opinion. Oh, that's true. Which... Which that's like one of the only callbacks to, like our world. Besides like phones, cars, and things like that. Like mm-hmm. as far as like story and history, like that's like one of the only things that like transfers over. Which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, really is. small thing. I just like it because hmm. it's it's neat in my opinion. Um, interesting tidbit there. Yeah, and then like you were talking about this list at the end of his day, Ian uh-huh. feels like he failed all the things on his checklist. Speak up more. Learn to drive, invite people to his party, and be like his dad. Huh? He marks all of them off at the end of the day, and he's like, I can't. I can't do any of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we talked about how he meets this guy at, like, that restaurant because he had to go get food or something before school, and this guy's like, hey, I knew your, I knew your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a coincidence. Yeah, Onward is basically a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. But the part at the beginning when he runs into this guy is a lot of coincidences. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, he he goes to this place, and he's wearing a sweater because it's his birthday, because the sweater belonged to his dad. The dude sees the sweater, sees the name on the sweater, knows it's the guy, knows the guy in the first place, and then talks to Ian about his dad very briefly. That's a lot of coincidences. Yeah, I mean, and it happened, yeah, like on his 16th birthday. Yeah. The day this whole thing's gonna start. It's just, which I guess it happens in other movies too. Yeah. We can't really nitpick this one because it is a cartoon and it is like the whole thing. Like, I mean, to, this... it had to happen just the way that it happened. Yeah. It was less logical and more coincidental. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then that night, you know, um, he's sad because he misses his dad, I think. Oh, yeah, he listened mm-hmm. to that tape or whatever. Yeah. And he got sad, and his mom says, oh, I have a gift for you guys. Mm-hmm. And it's for both of them after they turn 16. And they open it up, and it's their dad's staff that he had. Um, apparently it's rare and everything, and Bradley's freaking out because, oh, it's a staff, and I'm not completely stupid. <laughs> Everyone, this is a staff. And the letter... Just like that. It just it was just like that. <laughs> it sounded exactly like Chris Pratt. Um... And the letter from their dad is the same as the monologue, which I think it had something different at the end. Like, it added yes. on to it. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, it added the part about him believing that a bit of magic still existed in them. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Um, I love how the gift is a visitation spell. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> it works with the world they've created. And it anything just, else it would be super weird. It would be weird. It just... Yeah, I don't know. But... And it then, works very well here, though. It's yeah. super well done. Yeah, because it it's exactly that. It's a visitation <laughs> spell, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> that makes yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> the staff doesn't work at first when Barley uses it. So there it establishes not everyone has 
that type of magic, which I guess in the opening thing, it's like, okay, wizards have magic. Mm -hmm. But it establishes even today, it's like, just because your dad was a wizard, or implied that he's a wizard at this point, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have it. Right. Um, And that goes to start something off that goes with Barley and Ian the rest of the movie, where Barley knows his place. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think in other movies, whenever this, whenever the one of the main characters thinks they've been pre- preparing for something their entire life, and someone else gets it, then they feel like, okay, I'm going to bring up the Lego Movie. This is a <laughs> left turn. <laughs> this is a complete left turn, but it makes sense. I see where whenever uh, Wild Style, whatever her name is, Lucy, whatever I can't remember her actual name, but. She's been preparing for this for her entire life. And then Emmett comes along and is just like, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman's like, you're the special. <laughs> and she's like, what? I've been preparing for this for my entire life. And she kind of resents him for it for a little while. Mm-hmm. But Barley doesn't do that. None whatsoever. He just realizes that this is my place. I know the information. I can help Ian do this. We both want the same thing. But he's just excited that it's happening at all, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continues on throughout the entire movie and never once does Barley resent Ian for having the gifts that he had always dreamed of having. Right. It sets up their roles really nicely because Ian can use magic and Barley knows how to use magic. Right. So in that sense he's able to teach it to him as the story goes on and not once is Barley resentful about it which is an interesting character choice. Right. Right. And... Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I had something and I just forgot about it. Um, I liked how Barley communicates with their dad with the same drum sequence or whatever that he would pat his dad's foot. Mm-hmm. And like he just like he just remembers and he just immediately thinks this is what is going to help him recognize me. Yeah. They make an offhanded comment to it earlier about how he used to do it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as their dad is brought back, he uses it. They pay it off. Which is like the right. hallmark of the entire the entire movie where they set things up and then they pay it right off. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably mention, though, how they bring their dad back. Right. Since Barley couldn't use magic. Right. Barley couldn't use the staff. However. But Ian could. Right. There's something called a phoenix gem. And Barley's like, oh, here's a staff. We need a phoenix gem. And he finds that their dad had packed one in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he puts it on. And then that's whenever he tries to use it. It doesn't work. He tries for, like, hours, it seems like. It's what it, <laughs> it's implied. Or, or a long sequence of time. And then Ian tries it, and it starts to work. Mm-hmm. But did was it because Barley didn't help him, and Ian just kind of lost uh, his balance? He rejected Barley's help, and he oh. kind of jerked away from him, which messed up the spell. Mm-hmm. And then it was just their dad as the bottom half of it. Mm-hmm. And... That's how he's going to be. <laughs> yep. And that's what sets off the rest of the quest, the is them trying to get the movie. other top half. It's just just the lower half of their dad walking around. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire movie. Mm-hmm. They have to go on a quest to find another Phoenix gem to bring the rest of them back. Right. But they have a 24-hour time window. And at the end of that, they will not be able to bring him back again. Mm-hmm. And at this point, their mom was in the room whenever Barley was trying it. Mm-hmm. She leaves. So then whenever Ian does it, She's not there. I think she has to go to... No, she has to go pick up the, the cake, I think? Yeah. And so she goes to do that, and then that's whenever it works. Mm-hmm. And Barley's like, okay, we gotta go right now. Because they realize they have a 24-hour window. And... Which, this is a massive, massive, massive nitpick. 
but I noticed it whenever I watched it. Okay. Whenever they find out, like they bring their dad back, half of him, mm-hmm. and they start talking about the different spells and everything, and then Barley says, but there's only a 24-hour time window. Mm-hmm. That's whenever he starts his watch. There's like half a minute there. That's, that's a little much <laughs> I'm for used, me. I'm used... That's a little much for I'm me. I'm used to Christopher Nolan movies. Where he times out everything exactly how it's how it is in real time. Okay, so you wanted a twenty-four hour movie. I wanted no. I'm. Uh-huh. Do, I mean, whenever he sets off That's a timer. That's what it sounds like to me, everyone. Whenever, okay, not like a not like twenty-four hours. Well, okay, the show twenty-four isn't twenty-four hours, and it's goes along the time period. Even the commercials are somewhat timed out. Yeah. So, but like Christopher Nolan movies, he like whenever there's a bomb, and there's a timer. Mm-hmm. The timer is set. And like that's what how long the scene is going to be, and he goes to great lengths and pains to make sure that the scene, the amount of time that they have to disarm it, is the actual time that you see them trying to disarm it, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But I know this is a cartoon. This is not the Dark Knight. They this also, is not any other movie like that. They kind of forget about it too. Like they kind of just judge it by where the sun is. Oh, that's true. Like, so I guess of, they kind of abandon. You're right. The stopwatch like immediately. But like. Which I feel like might be a bigger problem than them starting it a minute late. Right, because they they judge the 24 hours based off of where the sun is and whenever it goes down. Mm-hmm. Did they start that? Did the 24 hours start right at sunset? I mean, technically, I so. technically speaking, the spell is not 24 hours. It's just till sundown the next day. Oh. They just had the misfortune of starting it at sundown on a day. So if they'd waited and done it like... After midnight, I suppose, or just after the sun sets, they wouldn't have had 24 hours. They basically would have had two days. Because the spell is just whenever the sun sets tomorrow. Not when the sun sets today. Oh, okay. So they're up all night and into the next day. But the problem is that they started it right before the sun went down. If they'd waited and started it like an hour later, they would have had 48 so they, hours. So they could have cheated and had two days, is what you're saying? They could have, but they didn't think it through. And that's how the spell works. Yep. That, okay. It says sunset tomorrow. I'm, okay. I'm going to trust you on that because I don't... I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. Um, I'm fairly certain We'll get yelled at if that's not how it works, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I think it's how it works. Um, that was really nitpicky. It was. And I apologize, but it just <laughs> bothers me because I've been spoiled on good movies. Even though this is a good um, movie. Onward is a good movie? But not with... Sir? It's not a good timer movie. Right. <laughs> That's how I judge all my that movies. <laughs> if there's a timer in it, you've, you've reached another level That's of expectations. That's basically its own genre. That's <laughs> the timer movies? Yes. So <laughs> Christopher it's a rare, Nolan corner of the market. Breed. Well, Christopher Nolan movies are good, so... There's right. gotta be some truth to that. Um, then they leave without telling their mom. Yep. And they follow Barley's advice. Right. sees all of this as a quest to get another phoenix gem and he says that according to his game all quests begin at the manticores mm-hmm. so he st- searches for the nearest manticore and they quickly throw their dad into his van and drive there mm-hmm. right and then they left their mom a note because uh ian's phone cracks um when in the in the commotion whenever they cast the spell right and so they can't contact their mom. Mm-hmm. So Barley leaves a note that says something like, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's like, we're going to come back with great stuff. 
or we're going to come back it's going to be great it's vague and it's vague but not her mom's like wait what does this mean and then she goes into Barley's room or Ian's room I don't Ian's room Ian's room Mm -hmm. Um, and she finds it just trashed that's not great (laughs) that's not a great thing to find (laughs) at all um but they end up at the Manticore, mm-hmm. and you know they have this feeling that it's because it used to be this tavern where it's like this giant lion, oh, lion winged lady thing. Because remember, she corrects the lady at the pawn shop for calling her a bear, and she gets really offended, and it's hilarious. But she also is a scorpion too. Oh, right. right. Okay. Well, maybe I'm saying it wrong. But I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Right. She's like she's like a lion. She has a scorpion tail, and then she has like bat-like wings almost. Uh huh. And you know, it used to be like a tavern, so it was like this rough and tumble place back whenever magic was still around. Mm-hmm. They open the doors, and it's like a family restaurant <laughs> <laughs> with like a mascot and games and everything and it's yeah. not at all what they expected and I laughed really hard <laughs> I, I really I laughed really hard because it look looks on the outside to be like this haunted place oh it's just straight up Luigi's Mansion yeah and then they go inside and it's just Red Robin it's just Red Robin with games and a mascot yeah yeah with the mascot <laughs> and then the map is on okay I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that but then right. they Talk to Manticore. She's, she owns the restaurant, which is funny. Uh, she refuses to leave. For she very gets, unmagical reasons. Right. She just doesn't want to send anyone on dangerous quests because they're dangerous in her and words. And she'll get sued. And she'll get sued. Right. She'll get sued and probably taken have her restaurant taken away from her. The least magical explanation I've ever seen in my but life. But the most relatable. Yes. Because that'd probably be me. Because <laughs> I don't know how they'd be able to trace that back, but I don't know. Maybe. So, and then after that, Ian does something out of character and Uh starts to raise his voice at her Uh and starts to be uh, assertive and say, no, we need this map. What are you doing? You used to be this amazing person and it's dangerous, but it's worth it. And she's like, oh, holy crap, what am I doing here? (laughs) And she lets it all out on a karaoke box and (laughs) and the rest of her restaurant and it goes up in flames and it's glorious. And in the process, they don't get the real map to another Phoenix gem. Right, which is what they were after at Manticore's Uh tavern, just to clarify. But instead, they grab a children's menu, which is close enough. Which is actually the only thing they needed. Yes. (laughs) Because she based the children's menus off of the map. That's so funny to me. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but that's just so clever. It's funny. Um... Yeah, she, she had a mental breakdown. It was really funny. Oh, and then Ian has to use the staff to save their dad. Yeah. In the burning, during whenever it's all burning and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, oh, they had a conversation before they got to the to the tavern where it's like, yes. you have to be passionate with your voice. You have to believe with your heart's fire. You have to use your heart's fire in order to use the spell. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. Right. But then whenever his dad was in danger, he just used that sheer adrenaline and passion and fear to channel it fear for his dad mm-hmm. um and so that was that was really cool um and then they do something interesting they take the freeway instead of the path that barley wants to take which is not really a path as much as it is randomly wandering through the countryside right but barley says it's the best way to go and he knows about the 
And he's like, he's like, trust me, I know how quests work. But Ian's like, no, that doesn't seem to be the right way. We got to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't derail them, but it also makes you wonder if they had followed Barley's path, if it would have been easier. Yeah. So it doesn't completely derail them, but because you know it runs out of the bus runs bus. Wow, the van <laughs> Guinevere runs out of gas mm-hmm. um, and everything. So I don't know. It just was interesting how that was something that it brought up new problems like the fairy get biker gang and all that kind of stuff that they wouldn't have had to deal with. Uh huh. Um, yeah, the entire sequence where their car runs out of gas and he tries to grow more gas, but instead shrinks his brother. Mm-hmm. Because it would affect whatever you were focusing on, and he was focusing on his brother's advice instead of what he was supposed to be enlarging with magic. Uh, the movie's filled with a lot of clever stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It uses the world and the laws that it sets up really well, and does clever stuff that subverts your expectations, but that also makes perfect sense once you see it. Right. And that one specifically, I didn't think about this until just now, but they do clever things like that, where it's like, this is indirectly, I think, what they were trying to do. But throughout the whole spoiler alert, throughout the entire movie, Barley's supposed to be like a father figure to mm-hmm. Ian. Because Ian never had a father. So this is something that affects all kids and, and kid-parent relationships. Where a parent gives their kid advice. Mm-hmm. And it's their purpose. It's their path. But they get so distracted on their parents' advice and only do what their parents want them to do, it could bite them in the butt at the end. Which, I mean, that's like a really small thing, and like, I'm not saying all parent advice is bad, that's not at all what I'm saying. Listen to your parents' kids. <laughs> uh, listen to your, their advice even whenever you're an adult. But if it's your path and your purpose, what you're trying to do, it can distract you and have consequences. Like in the... That being said, Ian was only able to do anything because, because he followed Barley's advice. Right. Right. But too much of it, mm-hmm. and overbearing much of it, which that was on Barley's part, was <laughs> enough to distract him off of, and it had consequences. That's true. You um, can make the argument that Barley gets better at helping his brother as mm-hmm. the movie goes on. Right. But you don't, but that's something he's doing with internally. Mm. You don't see that. Right. You see that, you see the after effects of it, but he's probably in his mind like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try to do better next time. And so it's good to yeah. see that kind of growth too. You see it here. He's overbearing. Then at the bottomless chasm... You know, he's supportive, but not... He doesn't mm-hmm. believe in him all the way because he gets super worried. And then towards the end of the movie, he believes in him unconditionally. And right. he knows that he's capable of doing it. So in that sense, he grows quite a bit, but the movie doesn't draw attention to it. Yeah. So this would be a good time, since we brought this up, uh, to talk about the spells. Yes. Their, their spell infrastructure is, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so spells have different... In the movie, spells have different levels of enchantments with varying levels of difficulty mm-hmm. some of the higher difficulty ones have like de- something called decrees that go along with it so like you have to do all the stuff that the spell asks you to do but you also have to be doing this simultaneously mm-hmm. so whenever they try to deceive later on they try to deceive some cops into believing that they're their mother's boyfriend which we didn't talk about but we can go back and talk about that right um who's a centaur obviously and well obviously <laughs> um and in order to use the deception spell to make them look like uh, the cop, they have to be telling the truth to the cops that they're talking to and trying to deceive. Mm-hmm. So there's always contingencies with these harder spells, which is why they're harder. Um, so that's really interesting how as Ian grows, 
so does the difficulty of not only the task at hand, mm-hmm. but the spells, he, the tools he's using. He has to grow in order to use them in order to face the bigger and bigger challenges. Yeah. Which that was built in, mm-hmm. like, immediately in the world. Um, yeah. Emerges world building with character growth. Mm-hmm. Right. So, we can bring in Centaur Cop now. So, oh, okay. he's introduced at the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, Barley is, again, really, really enthusiastic, and he really, really loves history and protecting history. And, you know, with the, something that often happens with historical artifacts, they get torn down. So he's seen on mm-hmm. the news trying to protect one whenever this uh, wrecking crew is trying to destroy it to build something on it. And the cop has to come and have a talk with him. But then we find out that it's actually their mom's boyfriend mm-hmm. is the cop. So, yes. and that the reason why I bring that up is because their mom gets in the car and starts driving and somehow he she finds the oh she finds the playing cards that shows the man the tavern and the phoenix gym mm-hmm. so she goes there and on her way i think it's on her yeah on her way there the cop calls her mm-hmm. and so he's in kind of communication with her throughout the entire movie um and she finds manticore and manticore is outside being detained by the cops obviously for burning down a place and terrifying everyone Right. Well, only that. I mean, really, she was going to be released anyway. Right. So, you know, mom should be prosecuted for what she's about to do. Um, So then she deceives the cop by saying a cut on Manticore's foot is actually fatal to, or it makes the Manticore species go loopy or something, or like makes them, like it distorts their perception of reality. I love how her explanation is the least scientifically accurate explanation but he's not about to say that that doesn't happen all right but let's think about this for a second she has the sheer audacity to say that oxygen getting to her blood is a problem (laughs) i'm just saying when the only purpose of breathing (laughs) is to get oxygen to your blood utter nonsense but the cop isn't gonna say well i don't i don't know her species i I, know basic science okay (laughs) but and so but but she didn't say that i'm taking her away she just said i gotta bandage this that's before it has too much of too much damage too much oxygen too much oxygen right before she gets too much oxygen in her blood heaven forbid heaven forbid right from normal air supply Uh um so they go around a corner and uh she takes manticore with her and that's it's off a chain of events where they're together throughout the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, so many things are happening that it's hard to keep it all straight. It is, yeah, it's a very layered movie. But as as they're driving, <laughs> Manticore talks about the curse, mm-hmm. and she has the curse information tattooed on both <laughs> of her arms. Conveniently, which is the, which is the, <laughs> conveniently for one, for two, <laughs> she has fur. Which I don't know. Ooh, I don't remember if they that's... shaved that, or I don't know. Oh, that's true. I don't. I don't think I, that's not a problem. It just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but again, I don't know the science, right. so I'm not going to say that her species can have that, mm-hmm. um, because I I would I don't know. I'm pretty sure they would shed fur though. That's true. I don't know. So, I don't know. That don't one's remember. less. That's less iffy. I don't think it's a problem. I'm not trying not, to... Not really. Well, I guess... Well, This isn't going to bring the movie down to a 9 out of 10. I guess... I guess... I'm not going to die nitpicky, on this hill. Me being nitpicky about a timer... <laughs> I should probably be nitpicky about this, If we combine the two, maybe 9.5. Maybe, maybe 9.7. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even... 9.8, probably. 
Um, we nitpick because it's fun, not because it affects the quality of the movie. Right. It's just hilarious to try to nitpick everything. Um, so while this is happening, they have to go get more gas. Right. And they accidentally tick off a fairy biker gang. Right. But in between them going to go... they. They run out of gas. They have to get off the freeway. Right. Okay. Again, we. This is such a confusing movie to try to retell. Right. Retell. So they get off the highway. Uh-huh. Runs out of gas. Yes. Okay. They find out the gas gauge doesn't work, which uh-huh. is hilarious. Yes. He's like, "Well, <laughs> that doesn't work." It's like, "Well, okay, you should have known that." Um, they get out, and their first thing is to try to enlarge the gas tank. Yes. And that's whenever uh, Ian gets distracted because Barley's giving him advice about his stance, the uh-huh. way he's holding his staff. And then that causes him to shrink Barley down. Yes, because the decree for that level of spells is that it affects whatever you're focusing on. Right. And you have to focus on it with all of your focus. So since he started focusing on Barley, it hits Barley. Yes. So then they have to walk to... And keep in mind, the whole time, they have their dad in the back with half of his body, and then they put like... Like caught like a pillow or something, <laughs> and like put a sweatshirt over it, and then like a head... Yeah. And so it's like, it looks like it's an actual person. And they just walk him around on a leash. Yeah, and it's it's great. Because he can't see where he's going. No, he's just, just legs. In any way. <laughs> so they have him on a leash the entire film. Yeah. Till the very end. Um, but yeah, they go to, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you can continue from there if you want. I just wanted to fill in the gaps. Oh, yeah. They go to get gas. They get gas, but in the process, they accidentally aggravate this biker gang of really tiny fairies. So... Barley talks about how they used to be so whimsical back in the day, and how they used to be able to fly. And that really annoys the biker gang. And then Ian tries to get Barley to leave. <laughs> that was funny. And knocks over <laughs> all of their bikes. All four of their bikes, even yes. though there's like 80 of them. Right. <laughs> because they drive it with like 20 of them at a time. They're so small. It's hilarious. <laughs> they run back to their car, fill it up with gas, and then... They, drive onto the freeway. They put it in O for Onward. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, that's why the movie is called Onward. Because yes! Barley replaced the D for Drive. For O for Onward. Yes. Which is great. I love that. That's, that is pretty good, honestly. Right. Um, yeah, they drive onto the freeway, and then the fairy biker gang drives on after them. Mm-hmm. And then... I can't remember what happens right after this. Like, because I know that Manticore and their mom are driving mm-hmm. as well. Do they come across the cops at that point? Uh, they do. So, well, oh, well, oh, well, okay, let's let's go back a minute because uh-huh. there's an important lesson that after they're driving away from the fairies, yes. um, they have to get on the freeway. Mm-hmm. But since Barley is so small, Ian just has to get in the driver's seat. Right. And Barley's like, okay, you can do this. Like, again, this is something that's interesting that Barley doesn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. He's like, Ian, you're going to have to drive. Mm-hmm. And even though if this is his baby that he built from scratch, he's like, I trust him. Just like a dad. Just like a dad who has his car and everything. He has to teach his son how to drive. He's like, okay, you got this. Yeah. And then Ian gets on the on the on-ramp mm-hmm. to the freeway. And there's cars, fly- which I thought was hilarious how they portrayed the freeway in both the driver's <laughs> end and then that scene where it's just like flying by really fast and he's scared. Yes. But Barley's like, you just have to merge. You just have to, like, he just yells merge at him and he just does it and then Ian has to confront his fear. And then another point, which is yeah. completely true in every downtown area ever, you have to merge all the way across like 17 <laughs> lanes of traffic. And so, and, and traffic like, is just a consistent wave of cars. Right. Like no it's gas just like, whatsoever. No, it just keeps going. And like, 
he, he only notices it like right before they have to get on the ramp, <laughs> which happens all the time. This movie is so realistic, and he has to just merge across like three million lanes of traffic and just get on the off the off ramp to get to another highway. Uh huh. I believe that's. Oh, and then Barley grows again. Yes. As he's driving, and him growing back to normal size throws Ian off, which causes mm-hmm. him to speed and lose control of the vehicle. So then he's driving recklessly over the speed limit, right past a cop car. Cop car. So Barley gets back to normal, but his wallet is still small. So he doesn't have a driver's license. And Ian is just 16, so he definitely doesn't have a driver's license. And as they're talking about what they need to do, their dad stumbles out of the back of the car. (laughs) Which was really funny. Yes. Because the dad's just legs. He's so just legs. He, just he didn't know what's happening. He steps outside, and the pillow slash sweatshirt thing that they put on top of him is just slumping around like he's <laughs> drunk as he steps around not knowing where he is. And then they think he's the driver. Yes. <laughs> so uh, they get to deal with that. That's what the cops do. And then they go around to the front of the car. I don't even remember how they get out without being seen. Is it through the passenger door? Yeah. I think the dad, like, walks over to the cops without realizing it, and then they, like, fall out of the passenger seat and hide behind the front of the car. Right, and so the cops were worried about him, so... Right. Right. And then they open up the book. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if they open up the book or not. They I do. think they do. Okay. I think they And do. then Barley says, you have to use a deception spell. Mm-hmm. And... They were one. They're like, okay, who are we gonna be? And they decide to be their mom's boyfriend, the police chief. The police chief. He's he's a chief. Uh, he's important. He, he tells other cops what to do. That's true. I don't know. Right, because they do ask, why are you here? It's like, why are you on patrol over here? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be over here. But anyway, yeah. they they try to talk their way out of it. But the only way, again, another decree is whenever you're using a deception spell, which disguises yourself to look like another person. Right. Which is, again, they decide to be their mom's boyfriend, which is an important police officer. Uh-huh. Um, you have to tell the truth. All the time. All Throughout the entire time you're using the deception spell, you have to tell the truth. No matter what you say, no matter what question you're asked, um, you have to tell the truth. So, Barley tells Ian to just, you know, reply with a question every single time you're asked a question. Uh-huh. It doesn't work. Um, and he fails right off the bat. He fails right off the bat, but that's not really a problem because he can hide that with his ear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has to be very careful how he responds. Yes. So as they're about to let them go, one of the cops uh, brings up their mom and them, mm-hmm. and they one of the cops says something about you know one of her kids is a real screw up or something, mm-hmm. and uh. Ian, who's the front half, because it's centaur, so Barley's behind him right. as the bottom half, back of the legs, mm-hmm. and then Ian is the one talking as, like, the front part. Failing and so, he, and so he's like, the truth. Right. He's like, what? Ian's a great kid. I don't know who you're talking about. He's like, no, Barley. Don't you think he's a screw-up? And Ian says, no. But then, since he... But he lied. So one of his legs turns back to Ian's legs. Uh-huh. The disguise starts unraveling. And Barley is behind him on, like, all fours. Mm-hmm. And so he sees that. So he realizes that his brother, his younger brother, who he thinks idolizes him, mm-hmm. thinks that he's a screw-up. And so... Yep. But that doesn't cause them to get caught for whatever reason, because they definitely wouldn't have seen that happen. Right. Plot but, convenience. Yeah. Plot it's convenience, okay. but it's fine. It's, okay. it, it's, it's, a, it's fine. It's a kid's movie. It's fine. Yes. Um, and they end up escaping, but Barley is not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, because Barley's just realized that his younger brother thinks he's a total screw-up. Right. Which, you know, is not a fun place to be. 
No, it's not. <laughs> um, and Ian tries to fix it mm-hmm. by saying, no, that's the spell got it wrong. And, and Bradley's like, spells don't get things wrong. They are completely objective. They're mm-hmm. based off of what you do. They literally can't lie or change. Yeah. Only They only change if you change. Or by what you think. So then they go to uh, like a rest stop or something. Mm-hmm. And they get out. Bradley yells at Ian or whatever. And they're having an argument. And then their dad gets out of the car and they had music blaring because Barley was not wanting to listen to Ian, so he just kept turning it up. <laughs> um, and then their dad gets out and just starts dancing. But it's only the bottom half of him dancing. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> and it makes them forget about their argument for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't remember what they talk about after they start, because they start dancing with their dad and everything, and they're like, oh, I wonder what the top half would be like or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't remember exactly what they do after that, like what they talk about, but I think mm-hmm. Ian's like, if you think we should take this this way, we should go that way, I think. Is that what happens? Uh, yeah. So, Barley says, like, I'm not a screw-up, and I don't think it's fair for you to say that if you never give me a chance to prove myself. Right. And then Ian goes, okay, I'm sorry, what do you want to do? Barley says, I don't think we should take the highway, I think we should take the crazy nothing path that I suggested. Mm-hmm. And Ian really doesn't want to do it, but to make up with his brother, he says... Okay, we'll mm-hmm. try it. So then they don't go the freeway, and they take the random, almost nonsense path through the countryside to where they need to go. They drive off, their argument settled, they're not mad at each other, and they head that way. Mm-hmm. And throughout this entire time, they're, you know, Barley's really excited about the quest. Uh-huh. So, and that's a contrast that's between the two characters. So, like, Ian's just like, we gotta get to Dad. And Ian, and... Oh, and then, uh... Whenever they're at the rest stop, which, which like, really hit me, was, like, Barley says, I want to see Dad, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he says there. At one point he says it, and I was like, okay, yeah, that, that that's uh, kind of right. important to know that Barley wants to see his dad. But throughout the it's entire... Easy to forget. Right, it's easy to forget, because he's so focused on the adventure. Because mm-hmm. he's always want He's studied people who've gone on adventures, and he wants to go on an adventure. Right. So he talks about all these random monsters, like a gelatinous cube, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And we're like, what's a gelatinous cube? Okay. But, like... Haven't you ever played Minecraft? Oh, you're right. God, are, are those called gelatinous cubes? Um, no, those are called slimes. Oh, you but see, I knew that. I just wanted to see if you knew that. Right. I mean, good, good. I, I think could, I, I think tell. I. That was, <laughs> that was, that's I know. I, I actually <laughs> did know that. I just, I, I don't know why I acted like I didn't. Interesting. I think it's a deception spell, right? Man, if you, if you go to Deception Spell right now, it'd be unraveling. I would I would stop being running to Robert Downey Jr. Um, because that's obviously who I would pick to, you know, be. Obviously. Only because of his voice. <laughs> because of all the people in the world, his voice is really the voice that I want to be using. Obviously. Not like Morgan Freeman or something like that. Right. Because, you know, it's really important how you look on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way to only use a Deception Spell on your mouth? And then pr- channel all of the energy that would be used only into your mouth so you can lie like a million times before it actually goes away. <laughs> and it just starts to be less and less loud. Man. Devin, you have to know this. I feel if you like, don't know this. I feel like you should not be able to do that because the sheer power would just obliterate whatever is in front of you. You'd have unlimited power. Right. Some might say. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I've never said it, but I, I know somebody who has. Yes, at least one person. Not, not personally, 
I mean, not anymore. Right. Um, he kind of changed. He kind of became a different person. I didn't like it. He kind of became a hermit, and I was like, I, I don't, I'm not about that life, so you can... Right. Hermits. Not and good. kind of murdered a bunch of people. Um, talking about Palpatine, by or, the way? Just, oh. just wanted to clarify. No, I was I was talking about Don Cheadle. Oh! That makes sense. This is really awkward. That makes so much sense that we're going to transition into our next point. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. you got to figure out the next point after that. I'm going to let you figure that out. Okay. They drive across the countryside, and they drive fast like these gigantic beanstalk things. Just gigantic vines that grow up like trees. And it's in this moment, more than anything, that I want to say that this movie looks stunning. Like, yeah. this movie is really well animated there's so much in every frame it's aesthetic of fantasy but modernizing to the point where people are caring about magic less and less is unlike anything else that i've seen it's unique and it is animated to perfection this movie could not look any better if they tried Mm -hmm. it is altogether a stunning film yeah it looks it looks beautiful like the amount of detail that they put into it is insane yeah um, and then this is where they eventually make it to the bridge, right? Yes. The, the drawbridge. It's a ca- big chasm that they have, mm-hmm. uh, as they're heading to Raven's Point, and they see a drawbridge. Uh, they stop just short of the chasm. We think they're gonna fall in, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Ian, you know, he's trying to be creative and use what he has. He tries to use the, the levitation spell. Is that what it is? Um, it's not a levitation spell. He used the levitation spell at the tavern. Here, it is an invisible bridge spell. Well, yeah, but he tries to use the... Invi- oh, the, yeah, yeah, he yeah. tries to use the levitation spell, and he it tries. doesn't work. Because it um, doesn't reach It doesn't reach, side. yeah. Then he transitions to the invisible bridge spell. Right, and this and again, the spells get more and more difficult. Uh-huh. So, he gets to the edge, and Barley's like, you have to use the spell. And so he does... And he says, what happened? And he's like, the bridge is there. You just have to believe it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the Indiana Jones whenever he has to go across the Invisible Bridge. And he just has to believe it's there, which... Yeah. I'm not saying they stole it from the movie, because they do it differently. I mean, Onward is basically just a mishmash of classic quest materials. Right. Like, the bottomless pit scene in the Invisible Bridge that he has to make, that's just like the most stereotypically... Quest thing ever, mm-hmm. and I love the movie for it mm-hmm. because this movie just embraces the idea of just your average quest. Your but average they do it. They do it in a way quest. to where the characters are growing as they go along. Indiana exactly. Jones, I love Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. but he doesn't grow. Yeah, it's like not, they're not stories about character growth. Right. He just he just oh he has more of an open mind like an end of Temple of Doom. He has a more open mind towards religion. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know at the end of Temple of Doom. But he doesn't grow as a character in the way that who he is and his identity. Right. So that's a little bit different. But Onward takes what they, what some of the stuff from that movie and other movies and mm-hmm. adds, okay, the character growth. <laughs> yeah. And this is about the characters. Uh-huh. Um, which the they did really well. is almost a backdrop to what the characters are mm-hmm. instead of the other way around, which is what your average quest movies are. And that's fine. I mean, oh yeah, it works really well. Putting right. your characters at the forefront is always a good idea. Right, and then even like Indiana Jones works well too, mm-hmm. just because of the way that they did it, even though it's not about his character growth. Yeah. It's about him going on an adventure. But, so, he has to just, he has to cast the spell and then he just has to walk it out. Yes, but he has to believe that it's there even though he can't see it. Right. So he looks at it and he's like, I'm not doing that. So Barley ties a rope. 
to him. And he says, okay, do it. And so he just walks out. And he falls. And he falls. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't work. Wait, does he Does he walk out and then he, like, he takes a couple steps and then he falls or he just falls? Nope, he just okay. falls. Okay, I couldn't remember. <laughs> okay, he just falls. And Barley has to pull him up and then he's like, okay, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. And this time he believes, he actually does believe it's there and he steps out and there he's walking. So... And he's having fun. He walks out to about halfway, mm-hmm. and the rope around his waist falls off. Just slips away. Just like literally, like not not that Barley let go. It just untied itself on Ian's back. Uh-huh. So Ian just starts walking around and jumping on the bridge and everything, not realizing that the rope is gone. Mm-hmm. And Barley's like, "Keep going." He's <laughs> like, "You should go faster." And the best line is when Ian asks if he still has the rope. And then it cuts back to Barley holding just the rope, not attached to anything. Yeah. Just cries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was good. And then at the end, he like like near the end of the chasm where he's about to take his last step, he looks down mm-hmm. and he falls, but he climbs up, he releases the drawbridge, and he tur- well no, he turns around and notices the rope is in Barley's hands. Yeah. And that's whenever he falls, but he catches himself and he uh-huh. does the drawbridge or whatever. And Barley just completely trusts that the ancient bridge that's been there for thousands of years is perfectly fine, which yeah. I guess is really all he could do. And he gets over there, and Ian's like, "What the crap, man!" And he needs the rope. And Barley's like, "Did you really, though?" And he just walks off. Planned it all along, which right. he definitely did not. He did not, but but good mentor out figures great. make the most of teaching opportunities right. that present themselves. And Ian's like, <laughs> "Yeah," like Ian was like furious with them, and then he's like. Oh, I guess I didn't really need it after all. Right. Um, and that was cool. And I think it's at this point that the cop meets up with them? Yes. Okay, I don't remember exactly what happened. He just drives there. right across the drawbridge that they lowered down. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's like, hey guys, impersonating a cop's not good. <laughs> don't that's impersonate not, an officer. It's not optimal, but it's, it's also more than that because they need to come home. Right. Also. I so, believe. yeah, the, the chief basically just tells them, look, you're not in trouble. But you got to go home. Right. Pretty lenient. And Barley's like, no, no, we have to we have to go get our dad. We have to go get the rest of our dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of our half-dad. <laughs> um, and then he's, as Barley's arguing with the cop, Ian's like, okay, okay, we'll go. Mm-hmm. And Barley's like, what are you saying? And Ian's like, Barley, get in the car. Mm-hmm. So Ian, again, does something out of character. They get in the car. Barley's like, what the crap are you doing, man? We have to get dad. Mm-hmm. And Ian's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he just puts it in gear and he just takes off. Yep. And Ian would have never done that mm-hmm. at the beginning, which again, it just shows he just keeps becoming the person that he had written out at the beginning that he wanted to be. Not yeah. resisting arrest or <laughs> resisting cop escort. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, saying... Not recommended to put stand, that on your to-do list. Right. Standing up for what he believes in and mm-hmm. what he wants, even in the face of adversity, he wasn't doing that before. Yeah. And now he's doing it, and Barley's now the one sitting there being like, what the crap are you doing? And then he's like, okay, this is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And then the cops give chase, but one thing we forgot to mention is at the end of the drawbridge, overhanging the drawbridge is like an arch. That's true. And yes. at the top of the arch is a raven, mm-hmm. raven's head. Or like, a, it may have been just, it may have been a raven or just a head. Either way, you see a raven's head. Mm-hmm. And it's pointing somewhere. Right. And so they see, the whole time they've been going for a mountain. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. at, in, the, in the distance, which they think is Raven's point. But Barley's like, okay, before the cop comes, he's like, okay, maybe it's not the, the mountain. Maybe it's where the raven is pointing. Mm-hmm. And so the beak is turned a little bit, so he looks at where it's turned, and he sees another raven. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, it's a path. And Ian's like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, this is the way to go. And that's going to become important later that they chose to go that way. But for now, that's where we're going to leave it. Yeah. But So basically, because yeah. they decided to go on Barley's path instead of the freeway, they ended up discovering the true path that they needed to go on. Right. If they kept to the freeway, they would have missed it. And they definitely wouldn't have found a gem. Right. Whatsoever. Right. Or even had a chance of finding a gem. Yes. Um, so after Ian puts it in gear and drives mm-hmm. away... Cops come from a completely different direction. Yes. (laughs) From the freeway? (laughs) Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. But they come from a completely different direction, like six of them. Mm -hmm. And they start to give chase to Ian. He he makes a turn. He goes down this windy road. Mm -hmm. Only where the crows are. The ravens are pointing. Right, right. Yeah, they go go to where the ravens are pointing. Uh And then it comes to a head Mm -hmm. at some point. And they they have... you know, they're driven way faster than the cops, so they're still waiting for the cops to come, and they don't really know where to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barley and Ian get out of the car, and Barley looks up and says, at some rocks at a cliff, and he says, okay, you're going to have to use Arcane Lightning in order to get the rocks down. Yep. So, Ian, I can't remember what the caveat for that one was. Like, what did you have to do? Um, so the decree for that one was that you had to do all of the other decrees at once. That's right. That's right. And Ian tries to, but he can't do it. Uh-huh. And so... It's too much. Yeah, it's just too much. He can't handle it. Mm-hmm. So Barley, without saying a word, he just, you know, he did he turn the car around? I can't remember exactly what happened because it was facing towards where they'd just come. Uh, yeah. So what happened was when he pulled to a stop, he kind of like spun the car around. Oh, yeah. They spun the car around. Right. Yeah. Because he, he had to swerve in order to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the car's pulled around. Ian, uh, no, Barley puts a rock on the gas pedal. Uh-huh. He turns the steering wheel to aim it at where the car's going. And he lets it go, and it hits a rock, and it goes. The, the van uh-huh. goes flying into a cliff, the, the cliffside, and rocks come mm-hmm. and fall down, and he sacrifices Guinevere. Sealing the path that was from the police officers. That was so sad. It was. That was. If you think about it, because the only thing that he wanted to share with his dad, the main thing starting off that he wanted to share with his dad, was the van that he built. Right. And he sacrificed that. So that him and Ian would have the chance to see their dad. He built it from scratch. He, they, they build it up again. They build it up throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with Guinevere being crushed. Yeah. Except for like a taillight. And he grabs the taillight. <laughs> and he, and that's like all that's left that he can take. And so then they start going down the path. Yeah. Um, and this is where I really, I took note of like their determination is like insane. Of like... Because Ian has made it has a drastic character change, and he again he would have never done something like that before. Mm-hmm. But whenever his dad's life is on the line and he only gets to see him once, he's like, "I will do anything to see him again. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in." And then he just does something that he would have never done before. Definitely, and it kind of grows him as a grows him as a character, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. Yeah, um, and that's where they find the cave. If you want to talk about that, yeah, I've seen. Mm-hmm. Man, this sounds like Undertale. <laughs> the cave scene. Determination, and then our heroes jump into a cave. <laughs> never never played Undertale. That's a travesty. That's, I'm <laughs> devastated for myself. You should be. You have. You should mourn that which you do not understand. 
you're, you're missing out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I will mourn. You talk about cave. Okay. So they go to a cave. And uh, it's where the ravens were pointing. Oh, and it's filled with unicorns. At the beginning. Oh, the... yeah. The unicorns, like feral unicorns that fly past them like bats. I could bring up the fact that they're technically not unicorns because they have wings, but... Oh, well, you brought it up. Uh, yeah, they're not unicorns because they have wings. If we're going to be technical, they would be a pegasus with a horn. And I don't know what that's called, but Fire Emblem will not let me forgive One second. that. I've played too much Fire Emblem to allow that distinction to slide. This has to be solved. Pegasus with a... Horn. Pegasus. Pony with a broken wig. That wig? I feel like wing. that's not... Oh. A winged unicorn. Mm, I feel like that's it's, not... It's typically portrayed as a horse with wings like a pegasus and the horn of a unicorn. I feel like it being a winged. pegasus is a more important distinction than it being a unicorn. So, really, I feel like it should be a horned pegasus. And... Do you think we're going to start a fight? Yeah. Okay. I would fight someone over this. There we go. I would fight at least two people. Unicorns with wings. Oh, Unicorn Yard, the website. You should go there. When we started this podcast, I did not see us ending up here. I didn't see us ending up here. But then you called it a unicorn, and I was like, (laughs) that's like calling the manticore a griffin. You can't get away with that. Okay, okay. (laughs) However, well, unicorns (laughs) exist. Okay, okay. Winged unicorns are an an interesting idea. As the traditional unicorn was never depicted with wings. That's, I'm not going to say that's true because I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, unicorns exist across many cultures, different cultures and religions, and yet few, if any, were ever shown to have wings or even the power of flight, which I guess you can't have one you without the other. You can't have that without wings, <laughs> technically. I guess. However, is it winged or winged? I think it's winged. Winged. However, winged uni- unicorns do exist now. Wow, that's... And are often referred to as unicus, pegacorns, or alicorns. Alicorns. That's what I'm going with. So Except finding... for literally every other thing that I've looked at said winged well, unicorn. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> Pegas- oh, not not going to read that. Um, let's see. We don't have Most time of... to read an yes, entire... Yes, we... Well, I have time to... I guess... <laughs> I guess that's it looks what... like it's an alicorn. According to Unicorn Yard, which, <laughs> which I, which I, according to the Fire Emblem community. Okay, okay, I'm okay. Sure, Devin, it's an alicorn. this person is speaking to you. I just want you to listen to this. No matter what we decide to call them, they are certainly amazing mythical beasts with so much potential and majesty. So, yeah. winged unicorns I'm... may cause confusion in terms of their names and powers, but they certainly seem to appeal to our imaginations and creativity. So, take that, Devin. So, I'm just going to ignore that and call it what I want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> our okay, heroes fine. stumble into a cave and find oh. multiple alicorns, which unicorn. is the only only acceptable name for such beasts. Right, there's literally no other name you could possibly call it. No. I can't think of a single one. Of course not. Like, what? <laughs> you know what? You're right. You're right. I was so I was so wrong. Oh my gosh. No, I'm I'm really glad we took that detour. I did not see us taking that detour. No, but, but it was worth it. Dang, that was glorious. <laughs> so they go into a cave, and the cave has no floor past a certain point. It's but just it, a river. It does have Gandalf. It does. On the wall. It has a picture of Gandalf on the wall. That's how they know they're going in the right direction. Of course. Right. Because he's, he's pointing. 
in the direction. There's following where other people are pointing to. That as all good quests go. So right? they do this. And they say, oh, we have to we have to find a way to go on this river. So back at the gas station, this is a super minute detail, and it's amazing that it's relevant at all. But as a side note, the movie will set up something in a subtle way and then bring it back into play later, paying it off. Mm-hmm. It does that so many times. It does that with everything from splinters to, as we're about to see, Cheetos. So at the gas station, Barley bought a bag of Cheetos, and he's currently eating it. And he goes, wait, what if we use the growth spell on this? Then we can use the movement spell or the uh, object levitation spell to move it along. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what they do. And then they sail down the river on a Cheeto that Barley bought at a gas station. Which is... It's amazing. It is, it is amazing. Um, yeah, because it, Barley makes sure that they get those because he's right. like, we need these right now. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why because I definitely know what's going to happen later. No, he doesn't. Right. Um, but it works out. So, and while they ride this Cheeto down the river, mm-hmm. Barley previously had talked about having three memories of his dad, one of which was the tapping on his feet, the rhythm that he did then. Um, another one was, I believe it was his beard and his laugh. Mm-hmm. Those were the only three things that Barley remembered about his dad. And here, in the cave, he admits to having a fourth memory. Mm-hmm. Which is when his dad was sick, he was hooked up to a bunch of tubes in the hospital, and Barley was supposed to go in and say goodbye. But when he saw his dad the way that he was, he got afraid, and he ran. Mm-hmm. You had an interesting tidbit about that. Well, just, does that remind you of any other Chris Pratt character that has I can think of at least surfaced? I can think of at least one other Chris Pratt character in the past decade who has played a little boy who had to say goodbye to their dying parent, but saw that they were hooked up to a bunch of tubes and ran away because they were afraid. And then they lost the chance to ever say goodbye to their parent, in this case, yes. a dad, but in the other case, a mother, uh-huh. because they were too scared. Right. And Star-Lord, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't really know how else to, how else to say that. It is I interesting. Mean, that Star Lord is that similar to Chris Pratt's character in this? It it like because yeah. that's a very specific scenario, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that both characters share it. I mean, it's an interesting story. It, it is an interesting that's... like motive, character motivation to like I want to see Dad again because I didn't get to say goodbye. Very well done. Mm-hmm. They're done differently in both of them because Star Lord isn't so motivated by wanting to see his mom again because mm-hmm. in that universe he can't. But in this one, Barley, played by Chris Pratt wants to have the chance to say goodbye to his dad because he messed it up the last time. Mm-hmm. So you get some guilt there. You understand why he never wants to be afraid of anything again. And it really shows why he's so... Uh, why he believes so strongly in being the father that Ian never had. Right. But but it's done very... Honestly, like, very I don't... Well. I don't really think that he was doing it on purpose. Oh, no. Like... Like, Barley wasn't trying to be the father figure to to Ian. He no. just was. It was more like he filled that void because it's what he would have wanted. Right. Yeah, just subconsciously, he mm-hmm. just started acting. Like, whenever Ian, whenever all, all of it was on the line and Ian needed him, mm-hmm. he just filled that role, like, just automatically. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. And 
that kind of pivots to right before then. The reason why they're like they show this scene is like Barley is showing uh, to pass the time. He's showing him more spells. Mm-hmm. So this is also serves to one Barley is acting like a father again, mm-hmm. showing him new things, trying to help him out. Yeah. Um, but also it helps that helps Ian grow in his, um, which we talked about this when we were talking about Return of the Jedi, uh-huh. where it's like he as the movie goes on, Luke in Return of the Jedi gets more comfortable with the lightsaber and the tool that he's using. And we talked about Empire Strikes Back, where he's getting more comfortable with it, and that's shown. Yeah. In this movie, uh, Ian is becoming more comfortable with the staff, and he's becoming more comfortable using it. Mm-hmm. So then by the end of the movie, he's completely fine using it, and he uses it all the time. Yeah. So it does two things simultaneously for both of the characters, and that's how the that's how it gets brought up that Barley has a fourth memory, mm-hmm. which is a really good pivot, in my opinion. Yeah, grows the characters, sets up more spells... Mm-hmm. develops the bond between them all done in a very subtle and a very unique way right as they float down an underground river mm-hmm. on a cheeto right this movie is unique and very heartfelt and it strikes an impressive balance between the two mm-hmm. yeah i agree yeah and speaking of heartfelt moments they find a gelatinous cube yes <laughs> man that hit me hard oh yeah you were on the verge of tears i was i was like he found he found it Mm-hmm. He found a gelatinous cube. <laughs> I would be so happy. Um, they have to. They're walking down this. Okay, probably should explain why. Yes. They're walking through this corridor mm-hmm. um, after they reach me uh, reach the end of the river. Um, mm-hmm. They go down it. There's like some dead bodies in there. It's kind of forbidding, foreboding, I should say. Yes. Um, and they go through a bunch of different traps and everything. They have to pick up a shield at, shields at some point to protect themselves from arrows that they that they would be setting off as they're running past it. Uh-huh. Then they trip something else, or their dad does or something, and the gelatinous cube comes down, which disintegrates anything it touches. So you oh, know that's the real deal, except for the ground that it's on. Yeah. We won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. We, we won't talk about that. Um, so, and then they... They fall down. They go into a well, um, mm-hmm. or they walk into it. I guess the bottom uh, of a, the bottom of the a bottom well. of an empty well. They don't fall down the well. They fall. They walk into the bottom of a well. Yes, and they barely get their dad in behind them, and then the mm-hmm. door slams shut, trapping them in the well. And then water starts coming in, filling the well. And you made some observations about this that I kind of missed some of them, but I'll yeah, let you take care from me. So when the well is about halfway full, they realize that the top of it is sealed. And in order to open it, they need to step on a button at the bottom of the well. Well, the problem is that none of them can swim down and press the button and hold it for long enough. Because the gate at the top only opens when someone's stepping on the button. So what they do is water fills up, they're about to drown, but they realize that their dad, since he's just legs, doesn't have to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's ingenious. So they drop him, since he's immune to drowning... (laughs) Mm-hmm. and he presses the button. So then the gate opens up, and a detail I noticed that I thought was really neat was that Barley throws Ian out before Barley even stops to get out and breathe himself. Because the water had filled up all the way, and they yeah. were holding their breath, mm-hmm. and then by the time it opened, you're saying Barley didn't even try to breathe yeah. before throwing Ian out. Just so. a neat detail mm-hmm. that Barley didn't even want to breathe. <laughs> he just wanted was... his brother safe exactly yeah which was it that was that was really interesting yeah mm-hmm. um and then they they climb out mm-hmm. they help their dad out 
And there they are. They open the manhole cover and... They're standing right outside the school that they were at at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And whenever I watched, I saw that, I was literally like, this is going to have the most twisted ending <laughs> I have ever, like, just thinking about they could have been spending time with their dad the whole time. Mm-hmm. They could, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, what the heck is happening? Um, so Ian starts to blame Barley for taking them the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, if we had not gone with the ravens, like you said, instead of gone towards the mountain, we may have found what we needed. Right. This is your fault. So Eon goes away with his half dad after telling Barley that he does think he's a scrub. Oh yeah, yeah. He twisted the knife there. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, rough. And honestly. he goes away. Yeah, he goes away with their half dad. And half dad. It's it's their half dad. Full, full dad who's half full, a person. Half dad. Not like a half brother. Okay. You get it? You get it? Yeah? Okay. They don't think they get it. I'd like to it's apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not apologizing. You are apologizing for me. Right. Um, But Ian goes off with their dad mm-hmm. and wants to spend the rest of the amount of time that they have with him. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the movie, like we said, um, Barley is protecting a fountain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that fountain is located right across the street from the high school. Right. Barley runs over there because it's a place of, I guess, security for him. Mm-hmm. Because he's feeling like the whole thing has come crashing down and it's almost his fault. Well, I think of. he's I think he's feeling kind of like, at least Ian blames him and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I fix this? He's just trying to figure out a way to fix it. He's looking around for like, what could the quest possibly want next? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I fix this? Right. And earlier... We think we, I think we forgot to mention this. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They nabbed, like, this stone from the last of the ravens. You know, it was super obvious that the raven statue wanted them to take it, that they were supposed to take it for the quest. And then that's how they knew that they were supposed to follow the river. Mm-hmm. Because the raven pointed at the river and the little stone thing that they had had water on it, implying that they were supposed to follow the water. So here Barley is, and his brother has just called him a screw-up to his face, and taken what is there of his dad and barley looks around trying to find out what could possibly fix this and then he sees the fountain so he races over to the fountain he and he searches and people try to drag him away from it he breaks free goes back to the fountain and he finds a little slot and then he takes the piece and he puts it into the slot and it opens up And there, at the top of the fountain that he protected earlier in the movie, the ancient fountain that had been there for generations, is revealed to be a phoenix gem. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But, while this is happening, Ian isn't there for any of it. He's off sitting on his own with his dad. I don't know if you want to take this part. Yeah, yeah, so... Let's see. Um, Ian is sitting off on, like, this cliff edge... He's looking out over the water, like, like the ocean, I guess, is where, mm-hmm. they're, where they're at. Blissfully unaware that the uh, quest is inches mm-hmm. from completion. Right, he has no idea. He just thinks, I'm going to spend the rest of the time I have with Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulls earlier, on their way on the quest at some point, he makes a list of the things that he wants to do with his dad whenever they complete the quest and they get to see their dad again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts just, he's upset, so he pulls it out and he starts crossing them off. He doesn't check them off, he crosses them off like, mm-hmm. this is never going to happen. 
And then at one of them, I can't remember which one, but he stops. And we see him think back in his mind of on the quest. He did all these things with his dad there, mm-hmm. but through Barley. So he starts to realize that all these things that he had been writing down that he was wanting to do with his dad, he had already done with Barley. Mm-hmm. So he starts checking them off and checking them off. Yep. And he looks having at it. A driver's lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a heart-to-heart conversation. Laughing. Playing catch. All stuff that he'd done with Barley throughout the movie. Right. And then the final one is share my life with him. Right. And then it cuts to a bunch of scenes from when they were kids and all the different things that Barley had done for him over the years. Right. It was just such a like moving moment almost where it's like he missed it the entire time but then as he's thinking about it he's like oh crap I made I did the wrong thing and he gets up and he goes and to run after Barley mm-hmm. and Barley's standing there with the stone and he sets off the curse. Now the curse we talked a little bit about it but the curse Briefly, basically we kind of ignored that subplot. Long story short <laughs> Manticore doesn't want to send them on the quest because the quest, and they knew this from the beginning, that there is go- that they're, um, if they do this, that if they steal the Phoenix Gem, then a curse will be set up when a dragon or a beast will come out. Well, and try only the Manticore knew. Oh, they, she, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because she forgot to tell them about the curse. Right. The brothers didn't know. <laughs> and since their phone was broken, and Barley doesn't have a phone, apparently, there was no way to contact them. <laughs> doesn't have a phone. So he gets the, the gem, holds it up triumphantly, and then the curse starts to happen. Red smoke pours from it, and it goes over to the school, tears it apart, and from the rubble and the stones, it builds itself a body. And the body is that of a gigantic stone dragon. With the face of the dragon being off of the wall of the high school, which mascot also happens to be a dragon, and it's yes. hilarious. So the dragon's intimidating face is just a cartoon dragon mascot. And then whenever That's it, really funny. Whenever it yells, it's the school bell. <laughs> Which was really, which was also that was a nice touch, honestly. Um, let's see. Yeah, Barley sets off the curse and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, Ian returns. Right, Ian's returned. He returns just in time to see. I believe he returns just in time to see Mm -hmm. the the curse and the dragon to take take shape. And he also sees that Barley has a phoenix gem that he got from the fountain. Right. Um. And they have the staff the whole time. So yes. Ian has the staff, so, you know, the, just so we know where that's at. Um, they start, you know, they have to get the Phoenix Gem, and I think they get it on, like, this cliff thing, mm-hmm. and they're putting it together. Well, we do have to mention the Manticore. Right. You can go and mention that. So, the Manticore plotline with Ian and Barley's mom, uh, they ended up going to a pawn shop and basically stealing <laughs> this sword that they knew was capable of breaking a curse. So then. <laughs> this lady that she sold it to. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, they basically attack this woman and paralyze her temporarily. <laughs> yes. And steal the sword because she was trying to scalp them by charging an exorbitant amount. Well, she was only going to charge them $10. Right. And so Mandacore was like, hey, this is one of a kind and I can't wait to have it back. And she's like, okay, 10000 So then... They attack her and leave $10 on the counter. <laughs> right. As, as you do. As, as you do. As you do. Um, so then, the dragon's there, and the sun is about to set. It's like on the verge of setting. So they run up to the cliff so that they can stay in the sunlight longer. Well, the dragon lunges at them, and at that moment, the manticore flies down using her wings, 
and attacked the dragon, momentarily distracting it. So the manticore and their mom briefly engaged the dragon in combat, mm -hmm. giving Ian enough time to finish the visitation spell. Right. Except well, this yes. time, Barley is there behind him to help support him. And since he's there to support him, it makes sure that the spell doesn't go wrong. It doesn't throw Ian back, and it just stays consistent the entire time. And because Barley's there to help him, the spell ends up continuing. Mm -hmm. Right. And Manticore, you know, they took they they were taking uh, their mom's car. Her mom's their their mom was driving with Manticore, and. At, some, at one point, whenever they were fighting, whenever Ian and Barley were having their altercation with the, with the biker gang, um, yeah. they were fairies and they were, you know, they were chasing them in the van. Um, they knocked one of the, one of the fairies, you know, on like the, I think it was the, in their bikes too. And all of a sudden they start to fall. They didn't realize they could fly, which is why Barley was having a conversation with them. And he's like, hey, you can fly. And they're like, no, we can't. You're being a jerk. And then that's, when they, <laughs> that's what sets up the whole thing. Obviously. And then they realize they can fly. Mm -hmm. So then as uh, their mom and Manticore are driving down the road, one of them, you know, hits their windshield. And <laughs> they start to, and they start to spin out of control. The car crashes. And their mom, which was, this was talked about before, tells Manticore, you have to fly. And Manticore hadn't flown in a long time. She hadn't practiced, and apparently it takes some upkeep. She hadn't done it. And but they're like, you're going to have to fly. Because she sees the fairies fly, because mm -hmm. Ian and Barley convinced them they could, the Manticore believes she can. Right. And then... Which is how she shows up at the end. Right, and then she's able to fly with their mom and everything. Um, yeah. And there was something that was really cool. I can't remember exactly where it happens. I don't know if it's right before or right after Manticore and their mom show up. Mm -hmm. But Barley is distracting the dragon. And he throws something, he's like, and the, he knows the dragon wants Phoenix Gem, so he he's pulls something out, and he's like, okay, here it is, and he throws it, and, but whenever the dragon goes after it, it's the brake light <laughs> from Guinevere, and that was so cool to me, that was like, the one yes. thing he was able to get back from his man, he throws away, and it distracts the dragon, and it lets them continue the fight in order mm -hmm. to actually get what they want. Yeah. And then comes, like, the, like, one of the best moments in the movie. Where Ian has realized that Barley needs this more than he does. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Barley says, No, 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 I'll, I'll, go, I'll go distract the dragon with Mom and Manticore. You um, stay over here and wait for Dad. And mm -hmm. make sure this keeps going. And Ian's like, No. You, I had a dad. I had a father figure. I never got to meet him, but I had a dad and it was you. You have to talk to Dad. You have to say goodbye to him because you are the one who has the trauma and everything that's related to that. That's being a kid who, you know, all that happened. Uh -huh. So Ian becomes this great boss wizard, <laughs> and he just starts doing random spells against the dragon and everything. It's super cool. He uses all the spells really that he's learned throughout the movie, and he just remixes them and uses, uses it them to attack the dragon. Yeah giving his mom an opportunity to leap onto the back of the dragon and stab the center of the curse with the curse-breaking sword. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I think that she stabs it, and that gives them enough time. I um, can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think she stabs order. it because only the, the reason why they have to have the sword is because that's the only way to penetrate the, the dragon. Oh, yeah. And the only way to, you know, hit its life essence, basically. 
And so, but only Manticore can really do it. So only, all, all that their mom can do is hold it there. Right. And she has this Zumba routine that's, <laughs> at, that's at the beginning of the movie, and they pay it off again, and it's amazing where she's doing it, and she keeps <laughs> saying that she's a warrior or something like that. And <laughs> she jumps on the back and just starts screaming, I am a warrior! It just stops the thing. And Utterly amazing. I think that's what gives Ian and... Oh, barley yeah. time to have their conversation yes and then she gets thrown off which is why ian mm-hmm. has to leave right it's a very well put together movie a lot happens it's just the so end. it's so it's so hard to keep everything straight definitely um as someone who saw the movie recently it's hard to keep it all straight. right i saw it last night and right. I just, i'm having such a hard time thinking about it it all goes together so smoothly right yeah yeah and then let's see he gets the you can you can go ahead i, I i'm having a hard time remembering everything so after that, Ian's fighting the dragon, and Ian fighting the dragon gives his mom enough time to find the sword, and Ian continues fighting the dragon, but the dragon breaks past him and charges towards Barley, who is standing next to their dad, who's about to be recompleted, and the mom throws the sword at Ian. Well, oh man, shoot, I forgot another thing. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean, guys? Um, so the... Dragon knocked the staff out of Ian's hand, and that's how it was able to charge towards Barley. Well, over the course of the movie, at two different instances, both Ian and Barley got a splinter from the staff, because, you know, it was super beat up, not sanded at all, just like a random stick that had magical power in it, or whatever. Well, as the dragon hit it out of his hands, he got a splinter. So he realizes that there's magic in every fiber of it. Because Barley said that. Because earlier he said, why can't we sand this thing? And Barley's like, there's, there's magic in every fiber of the right. staff. So he takes the splinter out of his hand, uses the growth spell on it to create a new staff, and then as the dragon is about to crush Barley and their recompleted father, the mom tosses the sword at Ian. He uses the splinter, which is now a staff, to grab the sword with the same spell he used to pick up things and throw things earlier, and he throws the sword straight into the curse, killing the curse. Mm -hmm. And the stone dragon crumbles to pieces around him, builds like this gigantic wall between him and his dad, and then everything fades to black. So then Mm -hmm. we open again, and Ian is picking himself up, there's this huge wall of stones all around him. It's like he's in this gigantic hole of stones. And he looks through, and he sees his dad finally recompleted. He sees the exact moment that it happens, and the sun is super low. And he sees Barley talk to him for a little bit, but Ian can't climb out. The stones are too high, too jagged, and he just can't do it. So Ian has to sit and watch through a hole as Barley talks to their dad. They laugh a bit. And then his dad gives Barley a hug. And then the sun goes down, and their dad disappears. Mm-hmm. That was all that they got with him. Right. Right. And then Barley comes back to where Ian is, and he helps him out of the pit. And after a minute of just them looking at each other, just processing what just happened, um, Ian asks, what did he say? And... Barley says that their dad was proud of the man that Ian had become, and Ian says that it was because of Barley, and Barley was like, yeah, that's what dad said too. Mm-hmm. And Barley said, also tells, he also tells Ian, he's like, dad has a gift for you. 
and he wanted me to give it to you. And then he just gives him a hug. And it's like this moment of all of what Barley did as a father figure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ian having to rely on Barley even more now that he didn't get to see his dad just comes together in this moment of there. he's more than his brother. He's like his dad. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really moving moment of just yeah, just all these emotions and everything coming together. And then just their bond. Oh, it's just so good. It's the perfect example because you see that everything that their father gave to him he passes on to ian mm-hmm. yeah like he just kind of funnels the love that he received to his brother mm-hmm. it's really really cool and then after that the movie you see the movie start to end uh-huh. so you know it's it, it was ian's birthday whenever they left mm-hmm. um ian had tried to have you know invite friends to his party but again he was shy at the beginning so yes. it kind of goes awkward and then Barley comes up in his van, and <laughs> Ian's ashamed and kind of just gets away as fast as he can. But then those friends are seen later and like, hey, we're going to be at the park and everything. And Barley, or no, Ian says, okay, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. But before that happens, um, <laughs> gosh, so, so much. All right, can I take it for a sec? Yeah, go I want to say something. Um, this movie is masterful at setting something up with a minor scene Mm -hmm. and then paying it off later in an unexpected way that's what makes it so difficult to talk about is in this movie if you cut out anything no matter how small like it's so interlinked for instance if you cut out the fact that he got a splinter at the beginning then you miss a key factor in the final fight if you miss the fact that they bought a bag of cheetos at a gas station you miss how they were able to get through a river like if you miss the fact that barley plays basically dungeons and dragons you miss how they know what to do for the entire quest if you miss the fact that at the beginning of the movie barley protected a fountain you miss at the end how he knows to go to that fountain at the end of the quest right this movie uses small almost hidden details and brings them back later pays off what you didn't even realize was a setup and subverts your expectations in doing so Mm mm-hmm this is a complicated movie, but it's all done in such a way that makes it so easy to understand as you watch it. But right. that being said, if you leave out anything while no, talking about it, it it's so, any it's so detail hard. whatsoever, then it becomes this thing of it doesn't make sense anymore. Right. So at the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. this, is, this is another example. <laughs> um, you know how the cop is dating their mom. And by the end of the movie, um, they're married. Um, it shows that some time has passed. Not, it doesn't seem like much, but some time has passed. Um, the beginning, both Barley and Ian are hesitant or ap- and apprehensive about the cop in different ways. Mm-hmm. Ian just thinks he's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird situation. This guy's dating my mom. It's a little weird. <laughs> Barley resents him kind of because he's a cop, and he doesn't seem to understand why he is protecting the landmarks and everything. He, and he knows that the cop kind of doesn't think that much of him and everything. Um, but at the beginning... Um, he, the cop walks up to Ian and he's like you're working hard or hardly working and Ian's like oh, okay <laughs> and then at the end um, the cop walks up to him again after Ian comes home from school and he's like working hard and then he look, Ian looks back at him and goes hardly working <laughs> and it's a nice touch that at nice the end touch. of the movie he completes his now stepfather's joke cause mm-hmm. at the beginning you know he doesn't like him and you'd expect the movie to like solidify that or like emphasize it validate it 
and be like, yeah, he's fine feeling that way. Like, if, like they made the cop more of a prominent role of like, not only is he trying to get him back to their mom, but he doesn't want them to find their dad because <clears> he <throat> seems that as a threat. Yeah. But it's not like that. But it's not like that. See, all the while, he just cares about them. Mm-hmm. And he just wants them to be safe, which is why he tries to stop their quest. It's nothing malicious. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the movie, to see the boy's quest for their dad and the way that it does. And then in the very next scene, to see some time has passed. Now their mom's boyfriend is their stepdad. And they don't shun him. They don't dislike him. They don't treat him like he's lesser. What they do is they relate to him on his terms. Mm -hmm. They sacrifice what they feel for him. The jokes that they didn't previously think were funny, they now embrace. Mm -hmm. It's It's a small detail that not many people would think is necessary, but it hammers home the theme of don't stick where you are and mourn what was taken from you. Make the most of what you have. The movie doesn't say, if you've lost your father, just sit down and mourn it. It says, that is something worth mourning. But also look to what you have. Look to the other people in your life that are there for you. And then it also solidifies the fact of sacrificing yourself for the sake of others. Just like Barley's been doing for Ian the entire movie, they now get to do for the sake of their stepdad to make him feel included and loved. It's really cool that with simply echoing the later half of his, their stepdad's joke, the movie solidifies the themes of making the most of what you have in front of you and sacrificing yourself for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, cool. Yeah, it's, that is really, really cool. Um, and it, like you, you said this earlier, where it's like it also solidifies that not in every single instance... Like, you know, a lot of times step-parents get a bad rap in movies. Like Cinderella. Like Cinderella, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were thinking the same thing. Cinderella. Um, all those other movies where it's like a person comes in, they're apprehensive about it because someone's dating my mom, I want, but my mom shouldn't be dating this guy, whatever whatever the reason is. And you know, that's a fair feeling, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, all this is kind of like, it's, it's fair the way that they're feeling in their kids and so, you know, they're having a hard time having their heads around it. Mm. Not saying that in every situation this is how it is, but I'm saying all step parents are kind of ju- jumbled into one bucket and this is in movies and this is who they are. Right. And in this parent movie, in movies is synonymous with terrible person. Right, but in this... Which is not a great way to do it. No, in this movie, he's not even portrayed as a bad guy. He is no. a roadblock at one point, but he is not a bad guy. And they realize that... And they come to terms with, he's our, he's our stepdad now. He's mm-hmm. like our dad now. But it's okay. And they're completely fine with that. And, it's, and it is, I do like how they did that because step-parents get a really bad rap in all movies. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, I am glad that they kind of you know, made that a prominent point at the end. Yeah. And then it ends with, so I was, what I was trying to say with the school friends yes. is like, at some point at the end, I'm not even going to try to pinpoint where... <laughs> They say, hey, we'll be at the park later. I think it's on his way home from school. Mm. Don't hold me to it. But he's like, okay, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And it's him and Barley who go. It's yeah. like both both of them, the same guy who they thought was weird at the beginning, the same guy who he was, well, not really that, but just that Ian was ashamed of. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want him to go. Yeah. And then you see that there's Guinevere 2, the second. <laughs> yes. And, that's, uh, and that was band. good. And, you know, Ian took the time to have it painted. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything, which is what uh, with Barley a, wanted, with an even better design on the side of it than mm-hmm. the old Guinevere had. It had, it had them on it on writing yes. the the 
Pegasus with a horn. I'm gonna let it slide. Alicorn. I'm gonna sacrifice myself for your benefit. Just like they do. Isn't that what I'm doing right now? Alicorn? We've... <laughs> and We're reaching untold levels of sacrifice now. <laughs> We're, uh, <laughs> I, I said it, didn't I? Yes. I said it. We're both sacrificing. Take that, this... unicorn yard. You meant to divide us. <laughs> Instead... <laughs> Except we're even stronger. Take that. Yes. Yard of the unicorns. Behold our power. Behold. Our, yeah. We, our power is doubled since the last time we met. In the words of Claude Vaudenregan, we have the strength to scale the walls that stand between us. To reach out our hand in friendship. That's how we win. <laughs> And then they drive off, and Ian uses his staff to make it fly, and <laughs> it makes the van completely irrelevant. Oh shoot! It, no. <laughs> Gosh dang it! Why would you do that? Why would it makes it makes the van it makes him. the van even more relevant? The van is a heartfelt gesture. The van. Is made more relevant than ever before <laughs> thought of in, in mankind. Yes. And that's the end. That's where the movie ends. And that's where the movie ends. Um, and it's really good. It's, it's really good. Even with the helicorns. Yes. Even with the even with even the, with the winged unicorns. Even 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 then. Even then. Check out the cravedominion.com. Um, for more content, for more content, and yeah. if you want the unicorn yard, don't go there. Oh no! Go to unicornyard.com. Um, the random site that we visited halfway through this podcast that we didn't know we were going to visit. Because according to them, unicorns, winged unicorns, now exist. Okay, as a side note, I like how they I like how they say now exist. <laughs> I think like that's the exact wording. Think, like they're just straight up like, no, this exists now. It didn't used to, but the, well, you yeah. can find these. It says however places. However, winged unicorns do exist now. That's and often I feel like that's a little misleading. <laughs> however, winged unicorns in bold text well, do okay, exist okay, here's, now. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out are they are they saying because the that I feel like that's deceptive. That sit that sentence in the um that sentence in the um in the paragraph is talking about within culture. So it's saying in many different cultures and religions, unicorns have existed without wings. But uni- right. but uni- winged unicorns do exist now. Which means are that, they saying within culture? No, or just... that that I'm led to believe that they just straight up exist. This is not a question I thought would be answered in the Onward podcast. Okay, it's. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel. I got. I did not out. sign up for this. At all. Um, okay. Five reasons unicorns are awesome. Unicorns in the Bible. Let's let's read this one. Um, I'm. I don't. So, I don't think that's a so. Th- so here's what here's what I'm, I don't think that's a thing. So well, it's in the authorized King James version. Um, 
So I'm not. My, I'm, my face is skeptical. I would go. Right now. I would go as far to say that this site says that there's unicorns in the Bible. That's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to That's... agree with them, <laughs> but I will say that this site says that there are that Bible verses that talk about unicorns. Um, you can. Go to the website and find out what they're talking about because I'm not going or, to or even. Don't. I'm, not, I'm not even. That's going my to. recommendation. Don't. <laughs> I mean, hey, they're I called alicorns officially. That's wait, that's all you need to know. The the term unicorn was historically used to describe a single horned rhino. Um, so take that. Yeah. Unicorn yard. <laughs> Except for you're the one who, who, uh, <laughs> who told me that. Alrighty. <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that. I had we had to clear we had to clear that up because it was gonna bother me. Because I saw I'm like, why is there a rhino we on a to, unicorn website? We had to do it on the podcast too. <laughs> right. This could, this, this definitely couldn't have waited until after. No. I see no reason why this is <laughs> this needed to be a separate conversation. <laughs> or any conversation. I mean honestly. It's, I mean I mean personally, <laughs> I think this I think maybe this could have been not in the not on the podcast, maybe. Maybe. That's, but it's a laugh. But it, but it, it's all for the lulls. And for that, it counts. I guess so it for counts. that, we're keeping it in. Check out the Domi- <laughs> the creative the creative dominion website. Devin's going to have a article up. I promise I will have more than one at some point up yes, there. Hopefully, um, soon. I'm not going to make any promises. Uh, I am currently working on one um, that is going to slap people right across the face. That sounds like a good time. Um, Just beat people over the head with a stick. <laughs> Your opinions are facts. My, facts my opinions are facts. Facts to you. Some but, people may call opinions. But they're facts to me. That and makes I, them facts. I firmly believe in them. Um, so visit the website sometime if you want to be pummeled over the head with something. I don't know what it is, but apparently it's really going to hit you like a car. Well, you know what they say, meaning... Teddy Roosevelt speaks softly and hit people with cars and like this podcast. Yes, <laughs> we're paraphrasing. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. You know, especially because the article I'm writing is definitely about historical accuracy. I'm oh. definitely going to say that that's exactly what Teddy Roosevelt said. All right, everyone, tune in to the actual website sometime if you want to see an article about historical accuracy. Yep, and uh, share this podcast episode and the whole podcast really um, with your friends. Oh, we're on Instagram. Yes, um, we are. at DominionCast, and then the Creative Dominions handle is at the Creative Dominion. Follow us on there. It's um, pretty sick. It's pretty sick. Um, so, yeah, uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your day or night or whatever sort of reality you live in, whatever you guys use to measure the times of day and the placement of the planets and the sun. Um, uh, just have a good rest of that, yes. and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.